Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. So good to be with you. It is always wonderful to be with you. Uh, Excuse me. I pray that you know that you are the highest of God's creation and the most loved, not because you're lovable. Maybe you are. I don't know. I haven't met you. (laughs) I can tell you I'm not so lovable. Um, But God has showered his love on us. Um. Because he is love. He is love. It's what God is. It's not simply an attribute or characteristic of his. He is love. And he loves you as the little, um, what do we stand? It says, he loves you just the way you are today, but much too much to let you stay that way. And when he's changed your life from what it was before, he still won't love you one bit more because he's He loves you just as you are, because he is love. And it's impossible for God to not be who he is. And all you need to do to get loved is to get in God's way. And of course, a human parent who loves uh, chastises their children to raise them up in holiness, to be a, a good human being. And so whom God loves, he chastens. And it hurts, but then we come out to be beautiful, beautiful human beings, just like the little cup that the potter was making. And the cup was complaining a little bit as the potter pinched there and there and formed him to be a little cup. And then when he was all done, the potter put him in the oven. And the cup was, if he could scream, he would scream, get me out of here, it's hot, I'm going to die, I am dying, I can't take this, it's too much, help! And when, of course, the potter doesn't take him out. And when the little cup is all done, uh, the potter takes him out of the kiln and he holds the little cup up in front of the mirror and says, this is you. And the little cup, if he could speak, would say, you got to be kidding. (laughs) Is that me? Really, really me? I'm beautiful. And see, God is making us beautiful for heaven. Beautiful for heaven. Don't be afraid to let him form you. Don't be afraid to let God love you. Now, uh, what we've been speaking about uh, is the fact that our society has gone astray and is going astray at record speed because all the school programs, all the political programs, uh, everything that's been made for man is made by people who don't ask the question, what is man? What is man? They don't ask the question, why is he here? What for? And I've told you that since I'm 10, I've had that question. 10 years old, what what are we doing on earth? Why are we here? And I, it was only to fall in love and grow up and fall in love and get married and have a family. And I 
I, I got to that point, except I called off the engagement. Why? Because even though I knew I was loved and was in love myself, the emptiness, the purpose, purposelessness, meaninglessness of man, of, of man on earth, it was still in my heart. If the height of love I had ever known on earth would not fill that or take it away, what would? And how could I enter into a permanent state and still feel that way? And so that's why I broke off the engagement. And um, it took me, I was 32 years old before I ever, ever knew why I was on earth. And I was 51 when I entered the Catholic Church. And now I have, I have it all. There's nothing more I could have under heaven than to be Catholic, than to be the greatest Jew a Jew could be, is to be Catholic. It's the fulfillment of Judaism and the full measure of Christianity. We lack nothing this side of heaven. We lack nothing. But we are in the middle of an evil world. I don't, <clears throat> I haven't used that word until the last couple of years of my life. I don't call things evil. They're not the way they should be. They could do better. You know, they're wrong. But I don't say evil. I do now because I believe it now. I believe it now that the enemy of our souls is trying to destroy us, certainly without the church, outside, but he cannot. And so he's come into the church to divide, to conquer, to bring heresy, uh, to bring every form of evil in the church, gender ideology uh, with children and uh, adults and um, uh, God's design for intimacy between mar- two people in marriage has been utterly, utterly distorted. So oh, just recently uh, I uncovered a book that I intended to read some years ago, and this is by way of a uh, introduction to those who have not been with us every day, but it's written by Frank Sheed. <clears throat> And it's called Society and Sanity, um, published in um, by Sheedon Ward. Society and Sanity. How do I get that straight there? Uh, by Sheedon Frank Sheed, and it's published in in nineteen uh, it, rather yes nineteen fifty three. And basically, he's saying that all these programs are being at school curriculums and. Uh, government uh, policies uh, are being formed for man, but no one asks the question, what is man? And so we have here, Frank Sheet has, and I think it's magnificent, because what we have talked about doing is going through the Baltimore Catechism together and really learning our faith, whether you've been through it before or not. I have not been through it before. Um, and what happened here? I lost it. I lost the Baltimore Catechism. I have to get it back. I'll get it back during the break. Um, but what is man? And the first question of the, uh, of the first, the chapter of volume three that we've been on is what is the end of man? What is the end of man? Why does he exist? What is he here for? 
what is the maker's design for us, what was his and is his end for us. And the answer is the end of man is to know, love, and serve God, you see. Um, And it's different than just saying, um, why do we exist to know, love, and serve God? Because the focus, in a sense, is us. And some people don't have a desire for that, uh, to know, love, and serve God. But if we say properly, what is the end of man? We're asking why God made us. Why do we exist? And the answer is, not God made you, but the end of man, mankind, is to know, love, and serve God. So if you're a human being, that's your end. We can distort it. We could run from it. We can be broken vessels on the way, uh, but we won't reach heaven unless we allow the potter to complete the work in us that he has begun. Um <clears throat> So I'm not going to go back in the book now, uh, Sanity and um, Society and Sanity, but it really is the answer to what's going on today in our very wor- uh, a corrupt world that's getting worse by the day. Frank Sheet says, <clears throat> Indeed, something even more obviously practical than human equality is at stake, namely human rights. The phrase, rights of man, too often mean what is good or humane or socially useful to concede him. But concessions, however liberal, are not rights. Rights are what man is entitled to, not what society is willing to let him have. They belong to man because he is man and are valid even against society. Unless they are this, they are not rights at all, but only a more or less hopeful expectation of society's kindness. But has man rights? Obviously, the answer depends upon what man is. Frank, she says, I repeat, that in quiet times where customs long established go their untroubled way, questions like this might be left to the philosopher. But in our own day, there is not a single human institution that is not under fire. Every question under discussion, every revolutionary idea, and every conservative reaction, all boiled down, all easy for me to say, all boil down to the question, how should man be treated? And we can only answer in the light of our view of what man is. No society can be united if it is not united about this fundamental question. The United Kingdom is that not thus the United Kingdom is not thus united, nor the United States, nor the United Nations. The case is not so bad with the first two, because both our nations inherit certain ways of living and acting together, established by ancestors who did agree as to what man is. The United Nations has no such common past, 
there is neither present agreement in principle as to how man should be treated, nor any agreement in practice flowing out of a long past. For the United Nations has no past, and its constituent members inherit no common attitude to man. But we of the United States or the United Kingdom are in only slightly better case. We will not forever go on agreeing in practical action when all agreements about the reality involved has vanished. Frank Sheed goes on to say now, My personal experience is that it is intensely difficult to persuade anyone to settle down to thought along these lines. The first reaction is usually of the bluff and hardy type, with a question, perhaps, of Robert Burns' famous line, a man, a man's a man for a that. What's a man? What is a man? A man's a man for a that. (laughs) The The dialect does not help. The line tells us that a man is a man, splendid. But what is a man? When one persists in this way, there is the beginning of irritation. Your interlocutor tells you that everybody knows what a man is, and that is mere foolishness to waste time on what everybody knows. But in fact, everybody does not know because everybody does not agree. And on this matter, the disagreements are so wide that whoever is right, the majority will be wrong. At this, your man will play his trump card, which happens to be his last card. In a desperate effort to avoid the catastrophe of having to think about the question, he will fall back upon that practical working agreement as to how man should be treated, which we inherit from our more intelligent ancestors. He will say that we have arrived at a good sound working idea of how people should be treated and do not need to waste time spinning theories about it. Everyone, he will say, warming to his theme, knows perfectly well the right and wrong way to treat human beings. The trouble is, though we have small hope of getting our man to see it, that whatever everyone, that what everyone knows, no one knows very thoroughly. Because everyone knows it, we all take it for granted. Which means that we do not think about it. There is an absolute deadliness about questions that never get asked because everybody knows the answer. For when they do get asked, no one has the answer ready. We can only get red in the face. Beloved, I hope this is not boring to you. This is so crucial. You may never have had a parent, a a school teacher, a priest, or anyone... uh, face you with this question, what is man? What are you? What are you? What are you? And if someone comes up to you and says, um, what's the purpose? Why are you you're trying to talk to them about Christ? And What's the purpose? What are we on earth for? 
what are we here for? And you'll say, well, to go to heaven. Well, what's heaven and why? And why should I spend um, 80 years on earth to go to heaven? I could die and go to heaven. And and you won't have an answer for that. Most of us won't. This is so important for your own understanding of yourself and human rights. Our only true rights come from God. Our only true rights come from our Maker. He is the only one that can give us rights. Frank Sheed continues, That is precisely what is happening now that we find ourselves up against the Soviet rulers of Russia who treat men in a way that seems to us intolerable. Now, again, this was written in 1953, and so um, uh, we're talking about Russia as it was um, uh, in 1953. Um, And so this book is going to be um, uh, in describing that error. However, beloved, we're coming to it again. Uh, Except for one, everyone running for president is speaking about socialism, which is to treat man as an animal, not as a human being, because he doesn't know what man is. If you hear a very loud chirp in the background, I am so sorry, but... um, it is my smoke detector needing a new battery. So you and I have to put up with that for today's program, and I will change it after the program. <clears throat> we are quite incapable, Frank Sheet says, of having any reasoned discussion with them on the subject, with the, with the Soviets on the subject. For that would mean showing them that our way of treating men is right and their way wrong, which can only be done if we show that our view of man is right and theirs wrong. (coughs) And that we cannot do because we do not know what our own view of man is. All we can do in this unhappy circumstance is to tell the Russians that we personally dislike and indeed find revolting their treatment of human beings. They reply that they like it and do not find it revolting. But this is not arguing at all. They state the kind of treatment that they think suitable. We reply with the kind of treatment we like. In other words, we are simply informing them of our prejudice or emotional reaction in the matter. And that goes for anything, beloved. Today, all the candidates running for president, if we understand this, we will understand clearly how to vote and who to vote for. Frank Sheet says there is no possibility of settling the difference by discussion since we have not got at the root question without which discussion is impossible. Every phrase we use shows that we have not realized our fundamental inadequacy. I remember being urged to vote for a particular political party because it would get along well with the Russians. Quote, unquote, we speak their language. 
the truth is we do not speak any language. We just feel strongly and splutter. Our lack of clarity about the elementary word man means that none of our subsequent words have any clear meaning. The Russian soldiers, be it noted, are not in this dilemma. They do know what they mean by man. They happen to be wrong, having got their view of man from Marx, who had not looked at man. But they are quite clear about it, and they can justify their treatment of man by it. This gives them an enormous advantage in all discussion with the West. No Russian has ever urged as a qualification for office that he speaks our language. Indeed, any good communist would despise himself for making such a claim. For he does speak a language, and our representative men do not. That is why every interchange between ourselves and the Soviet rulers is so humiliating. During the war, for instance, there was the pretense that they and we were partners in a crusade, a pretense which, to do them justice, they hardly bothered to make. They left the lying to us, for they knew we were not partners and could not be, precisely because we do not hold the same views of what man is, and cannot therefore hold the same views about how man should be treated. The disparity will continue until we learn to be as clear about our fundamentals as they are about theirs. Then, indeed, we could really enter into an adult discussion with them. And again, I repeat Frank Sheed's point, even though they are very clear, they're very wrong. How do we know? We know they're wrong because we're going to get at the fact of what man is. And that's true whether we're in America or Russia. Unless we do, there will ultimately be only one resort. In the impossibility of discussion, we shall only be able to hurl high explosives at each other. Whichever of us has some high explosive left at the end will have won the war but he will not have won the argument. There will not even have been an argument. An exchange of prejudices is no more an argument than an exchange of high explosive. So that our practical agreement within our own nation as to how men should be treated, namely that they should be treated kindly, gets us nowhere when we come up against someone who doesn't agree. How serviceable is it within our own national society? The tendency with us is, one, not to inquire what man is, but two, not to impose on man anything against which experience has shown that he is likely to react violently, and so to veil from our own eyes the certainly catastrophic results of not making that initial inquiry. Our rule of being as kind to everybody as the circumstances will allow is a well-meaning rule, 
and does us credit, but more credit to our hearts than our heads, for it is a blind rule. The first of the rights of man is not to be treated kindly, but to be treated rightly, to be treated as what he is. Kindness can destroy a man as certainly as cruelty. The French Revolution provides us with a relevant parable. Told that the people had no bread, the king's minister, Foulon, replied, Let them eat grass. The king's wife, Marie Antoinette, said, Why don't they eat cake? Foulon was cruel and Marie Antoinette was kind. The French Revolution killed them both. And there was a kind of wild justice in it. For men will die on a diet of cake just as they will die on a diet of grass. The first question is not of kindness or cruelty, but of rightness or wrongness. Kindness in a doctor treating the human body is no substitute for rightness, nor in anyone else doing anything else, above all, not in the social order. The first of the rights of man is to be treated as what he is. What is he? What is he? We leave you there, beloved, with the music for our first break, and feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five two. I'm sorry, five four eight three. One eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We'll be right back. St. Faustina's diary we read, Sorrow will not establish itself in a heart that loves the will of God. Learn more about St. Faustina and Divine Mercy on one of our most beloved shows. Stream episodes of Divine Mercy in My Soul right on your iCatholic Radio app or download the podcasts at iCatholicRadio.com. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to the Infant of Prague. O Jesus, Prince of Peace and King of the Universe, you chose to humble yourself and come into the world not as a powerful ruler, but as a helpless infant. 
Grant us the grace of humility and gentleness before you and our brothers and sisters. Grant to O Lord that we may always strive to achieve the virtue and innocence of your own holy childhood. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We have a whole half hour all to ourselves, and I invite you to call in with anything at all on your heart. You can call in anonymously if you wish, or any subject at all, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have a question from Franco, who uh, wrote on Facebook, Hello, Mother Miriam. I'm a former Roman Catholic who converted to Russian Orthodox Christian faith some 20 years ago. My parents were Catholic but left the Roman Catholic Church when I was 12 years old, and I was not raised in your religion, so never felt much attraction to be part of your church. You remind me of a traditional Catholic who follows the Latin Tridentine Mass as your form of worship, am I right? If you don't like Pope Francis, why stay with the religion? He is not going to change. I do agree that Pope Francis wants to destroy the Roman Catholic Church. You may agree with that, but you're not agreeing with me. I never said that. Um, I've been watching what's going on in your church My goodness, he's calling it my church and my religion. I like that. Do you not remember that the Virgin Mary at a place called La Salette, that in the year, uh, September 19th, 1846, the Virgin Mary said that Rome would lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist? Yes, I do know that. And I was at La Salette um, uh, on a wonderful trip. Franco... Our Lady said that about the Church and Rome because it is the Church. She's not speaking about Protestantism or Orthodoxy that split from the Church. She's talking about the Church our Lord established. And she would never, ever suggest that anyone leave it. It is the Church. It is our family. It is the Church our Lord established. It's not a matter of liking Pope Francis It's a matter of, at the moment, concern for what he's doing and saying in the church. There's great concern, but that does not ever make me question that this is the church at all, at all. God said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Why did he say that? Why did our Lord say that? Because the gates of hell would try to prevail against it, and they have for 2,000 years. But it is the church, and you don't leave your church, you don't leave your family because you don't like certain things or because they go wrong. You stay in there as a soldier of Christ and you help. And my dear Franco, that's what I would urge you to do. Come back home. Come back to the Catholic Church and uh, let's see where you are. You said um, Russian Orthodox Christian faith. 
you are not in the one true church. You have a valid sacrament, but you, the sacraments are valid, dear Franco, but you are not in the church that our Lord established. And you need to come home. Um, you can run when things get uh, bad or distorted or have all kinds of evil creep in. Um, but you're, you are fleeing from Christ. You are fleeing from the church for which he gave his life. And so that's why I stay. I'm not going to a place that meets my fancy. I love God and I want to give him my life. And the only way to do that is to be in the church that he founded. So I pray for you, dear Franco, that you would come back to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. God will work out the circumstances. He knows the, the end from the beginning. He will work them out. But we are his, and we don't abandon, abandon the bark of Peter. We don't abandon ship because of uh, its, its members. Frank Sheed, <clears throat> I've just been reading from his book, said that the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not based on their response. I'll say it again. The church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not based on their response. The Catholic Church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, is holy. Holy means to be set apart. It doesn't mean perfect. It means to be set apart for Christ, and that's what it is. <clears throat> Christ is its head, and in its essence, it's perfect. The members need to do a better job of being who they are. <clears throat> Here is an email from um, Chiwanga, uh, and she says, Greetings, Mother Miriam. Hope you are doing well. As I type this message, my heart is full of sadness because I feel my prayers to the Lord are not heard at all. I have done a lot of novenas, but what I ask for is not granted. My life is still stagnant. Nothing seems to change. No breakthrough at all. I don't know what to do with my life at all and how to survive. I need a new permanent job, complete my studies, and get married. But I don't see any light at all. Yours in Christ. Chiwanga Yamba from Zambia, Africa. Well, welcome, Chiwanga. Welcome, my dear one. Um... You say that you feel your prayers to the Lord are not heard at all. I don't know who you're praying to, but you're not praying to the true God. Because if you were, you would be confident that God hears. He's God. He cannot not be God. Of course he hears your prayers. Either that or you're praying to a false God, which doesn't exist. Um, uh, God hears all. And if he doesn't answer your prayers... In the way that you wish, he's not a genie. Um, he is your father. He created you. And if you're praying out of his will, which it appears to be you are, then he's in his love, uh, in his purpose for making you, he's not going to answer those prayers. We're just reading through a book that says, what? how do we serve the needs of man, mankind, if we don't know what a man is? <clears throat> so you want certain things for yourself, but you didn't create yourself. You don't know what God has for you. For you, the only answer is to learn who God is. 
You won't accuse him of not hearing you. Learn who God is and reverence him and ask his will for your life and be faithful in the things that are before you now. Um, you need a permanent job to complete your studies and get married. Well, maybe God doesn't have all that for you. He may not have all that for you. You need to come before the true God, Chiwanga. Come before him in the Blessed Sacrament and say, Lord, I know what I've wanted with my life, but it doesn't seem to be your will. Would you show me why you made me, what for, and what you would have me to do and make me into the person you have created me to be, to love you above all things. There is the music for our break. And we'll be right back after the break. Again, there's time if you wish to call in, one 511 5483 or email at com. We'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. And we've got over 15 minutes all to ourselves. And again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free or text at one eight seven seven 
5115483 We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, I recently heard on the World Over program an interview by Raymond Arroyo with Bishop Athanasius Snyder. They were discussing the Amazon Synod and the role of women as lectors and acolytes. The bishop said that having women serve in these roles <clears throat> is contradictory to the church. I have been a longtime lector at Mass and also have served at funerals as an altar server. <clears throat> Could you please clarify church teaching on women serving in these roles? I do not want to continue serving the church in these roles if this is not in line with what the Second Vatican Council intended. Um, it, it appears it's not in line. Um, <clears throat> dear one who's writing, it appears that it's not in line. Um, uh, Bishop, I saw that program with Raymond Arroyo and Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and Bishop Snyder referred back to the documents of Vatican II that spoke of only men being altar servers. And I would second Bishop Athanasius Snyder, it's not for me to second him, it's for him to second me, um, that no no female belongs in the sanctuary. Zero. Not as an altar server, not as an acula, acula, acolyte, uh, not as a Eucharistic minister. It is not the role, or extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, it is not a role for females. It's part of the role of the priesthood. And uh, women do not belong in there at all. So I know uh, St. John Paul II allowed female altar service. Uh, it, it truly does grieve me, but I, I wish it were reversed. And I will say to you, I'm not going to tell you you're in sin because if the church allows it, you're not in sin. But I, I would urge any female to be nowhere near that altar. <clears throat> for any service of the altar at all. That is the male priesthood that God established. Um, okay, so so no to your uh, being a lector, no to being an acolyte, and certainly no to your serving at the altar at funerals. Um, we have a caller on the line. Sherry from Georgia, are you there, dear one? Yes, yes, Mother, I am. Hi. Go ahead, dear. Uh, it grieves me, Mother, to have to ask for this advice, but I don't know where to turn. I, I have prayed for help. Our daughter is 27 and has recently revealed her third tattoo to mm-hmm. her father and I. Mm-hmm. Um, it started out several years ago, something small and hidden, and we talked with her about it. We thought that perhaps there was that latency period, and she had come to understand that that was wrong. Um, she's not practicing. She refused to be confirmed as a teenager. She's Every time I try to speak to her about her body is not her own, um, that it is the temple of the Holy Spirit, she barks at me and says, you know, I don't believe in that. Um, now it's, it's, she's taken it further. So now we have a thigh that is afflicted, and we have an arm now that is afflicted. 
Mother, what can I say to her to reach her? It's a little late at this point, Sherry. You know, it's a little late. That's why I say to everyone, uh, not to live in regret, but a child needs to be raised from the womb on. These things cannot first be taught in the teenage years because you will simply have rebellion. Um, <clears throat> are the tattoos demonic? Are they, uh, what kind of tattoos? Um, uh, um, uh, like a paw print on the foot mm-hmm. and a wolf on the thigh. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what is on the arm. I just caught a glimpse of something. Yeah. Protruding from a short sleeve shirt. Let me just say, Sherry, that the church does not teach against tattooing. It does not. Tattooing itself is not wrong. It's not a sin. Yes, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and should be treated as such. I don't advocate tattooing. But it is not a sin. Um, What would be wrong is to tattoo images that are against God, that are not appropriate. That would be wrong. Um, But the fact of tattooing, someone has the profession of being a tattooer, someone gets tattooed, it's not sin. I I don't recommend it, but it's it's not the highest form of uh, being a saint on earth, but the church does not teach against it. So... Um, I would really, Sherry, relax on that. I would relax and simply try to build a relationship with her of love and and ask Our Lady to bring her back to the church and not focus on the tattoos. Thank you, Mother. Because she'll see it as external rules. Her heart is not there. And that's what needs to happen. She needs to have a conversion. Yes, Mother. I will continue to pray for that. Thank you for your time. Do you see her? Yes. Is She's 27. She's living on her own? Yes. Not with anyone, but on her own. Well, She has, she has in the past cohabitated on two different occasions. Okay. And, and, but currently, thankfully, we're not facing that at this point. Okay. Well, I would get together with her when you can, and um, don't ever activist, everything's okay, because it's not. Say, sweetheart, what on earth could I do to help you return to God? Your entire eternity is at stake. Not because of that tattoos, but because of your heart. So, do what you can to uh, love her, but never... Refrain from telling her the truth. And don't make the tattoos your problem. Because she'll just see that you're against tattoos. And the the real issue of her heart, turned from God, uh, won't be dealt with. I would ask her as a child, sweetheart, I thought you believed as a child, did you? And let her speak about it. And and when did you... When did you stop believing? When did you think this wasn't true? Or did something happen to you? In other words, get to know your daughter. That's much more important. Thank you, Mother. Okay, Sherry. Thank God you. bless you, sweetie. Bye-bye. <clears throat> um, okay. 
Um, we have an email from, okay, uh, we'll take, uh, Kristen's on the line. Are you there, Kristen? Yes, Mother. And Hi, first, sweetie. let me just say, I totally agree with everything your answer, you know, your recommendation to your last caller. I just wanted to ask you, because it is my understanding from the Law of Moses um, that mutilation of the body is um, sinful. Now, it may be venial or whatever, but it's my understanding <clears throat> that tattooing and body piercing and so on, these are mutilations of the body. These slaves used to have their ears pierced and so forth to show their slavery. Um, you know, God didn't make us this way, and, you know, forms of idolatry, especially in the Muslim world and in the pagan world, uh, uses tattooing and so forth for all sorts of things, and that's one of the reasons in the Mosaic Law these forms of mutilation of the body were forbidden. And it may be venial, okay, but the bottom line is, it's my understanding this comes under mutilation of the body. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking on uh, Catholic.com, Kristen, which was a, a, a source I went to before uh, with someone who called in a week or two ago uh, about tattooing, and I'm I'm responding to you this way because I think there's going to be other people who feel as you do. <clears throat> I thought as you did too. Um, but this is the mes- the the church, it says, does not oppose tattoos because it's the ceremonial law versus the moral law. All right. Um, God gave the Jewish people a ceremonial law um, based on the moral law, but also based on their being set aside as a peculiar people. The moral law, of course, applies to everyone today. And um, and uh, it says here, sometimes people point to the passage in Leviticus that says, do not put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. And it says, goes on to say, this verse is not binding upon Christians for the same reason that the verse, nor shall there come upon you a garment of cloth made of two kinds of stuff, is not binding upon Christians. Namely, it is part of the ceremonial law that was binding upon the Jewish people, but not binding upon Christians, except for when it, when it coincides with the moral law. And there's a, a quote here from the writer to the Hebrews now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, um, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? Of course, it's speaking about Christ, rather than one named after the order of Aaron. Um, you understand what that is. Uh, one named after the order of Aaron would have continued to be in the line of Moses. But our Lord is not from any human line. He's from the line of Mel- the priesthood of Melchizedek had no beginning and no end. Um, and Hebrew says, for when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. And let me just, uh, uh, St. Irenaeus of Lyon wrote, the laws of bondage, however, were one by one promulgated to the people by Moses suited for their instruction or for their punishment, 
as Moses himself declared, quote, and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments. End quote. These things, therefore, which were given for bondage and for a sign to them, he canceled by the new covenant of liberty. Of liberty. So um, there, you could look up Catholic.com and, um, and look up t- tattooing, uh, and it will give you that and more. And if you decide to get a tattoo, it says, consider the following. <clears throat> the images should not be immoral, such as sexually explicit, satanic, or in any way opposed to the truths and teachings of Christianity. Secondly, be prudent. While mom is probably a safe bet, tattooing your current girlfriend's name on your arm probably isn't. Three, consider the arguments against tattooing. There's bound to be a good website out there devoted to that. Just because the church does not prohibit getting one doesn't mean that you should. Considering the following question, would you put a... um, I'm not going to read that question... <clears throat> in any case, um, uh, it, it, it does seem, dear Christian, that it's uh, not sinful, not even a venial sin, but a great discernment should be made. Mother, um, could we then look at this kind of again in the sense of, okay, perfection, that this may be an election to do what is more perfect. For example, we yeah, know that no, I'm with you. You don't even have to give an example. Absolutely. We always strive for the higher, and the higher would not be to have a tattoo. But it's not sinful if one does. I'm looking uh, at the saints. For example, St. Jane de Chantal and a number of other saints, like even Batika, who had tattoos that were not of her choosing. But St. Jane de Chantel, I think, put Jesus over her heart tattooed or something like that. I, I think I read that once. So I do understand, you know, what, what is being said here. And I guess we could then look at what is maybe more perfect and, and, and obviously the, the differences here that you're making, the, the distinctions you're making. Yeah. Okay, there's our closing music, uh, Kristen. I agree with you 100%. We want to grow in holiness. We want to be a witness to God, not to ourselves. But I want to make it very clear, when the church says it's not sin, it's not sin, not even a venial sin. Okay, beloved, there's our closing music. Um, Love God with all your heart. It'll be your freedom. The truth will always, always, always set you free. We'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.